You're listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. This podcast is a part of Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. And the Rise Up Podcast Community, bit.ly slash community. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform. Music from podsummit.com slash free music. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. It's the two-year episode of the local Sunday Sports Podcast otherwise known as episode 106. Hello and welcome back. Nice to talk to you again. A bit of news, this podcast is now on Radio.com. You can download the free Radio.com app on Google Play or in the App Store, and you can find the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, or do what I do, go to the LeeWMowen.com slash podcasts, and in the press kit, there's a little link to Radio.com already. Like I said, free. And there's also plenty of other platforms for you to enjoy this podcast on. So go ahead and pick your favorite and keep on trucking, whatever that means. Two years. You know, to be honest, I didn't know how long I'd keep doing this podcast. In fact, I was hoping by now I'd find a job thanks to this podcast, but yeah, I enjoy doing it. And Really, when I found an article, I forget where, I can't find it, but it said something like only, it's a very low number, was it 9, 19% of the podcasts out there have been updated in a month, or have fresh material? It's nice to be part of that low percentage, considering the fact that Apple Podcasts has said that there's over 500,000 podcasts available. That's a lot. I thank you for listening to this podcast. I mean, it means the world to me that you spend an hour or so each week, you know, listening to my voice telling you about Cincinnati Dane Sports. I wish there was a giveaway I could do, but I don't really have the money for that. So, but do know that it is very appreciated that you have made me a part of your life for a little, little bit. And my ego swells up this big. No, I'm just kidding. How did I make it to two years? I don't know. About every week, I sit down, I talk into my blue snowball microphone, and tell you what's going on. And it's been two years since I did that. There was a month I took off, a couple weeks here and there, but it's been weekly for the most part. The favorite parts about my podcast, I mean, I like it when people say they listen to it. That makes me feel like I'm doing a good job. And really, being able to talk to you about sports. I mean, that's what it's really all about. It's always about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. That's what this podcast has always been about. And unless I get a big bag of money flashed in front of my face and dropped into my bank account, that's what this podcast is going to stay talking about. Oh, by the way, you can get your counters. No, I'm not doing that joke. 
You can get your counters done at Granite's R Us. Granites? Granites. Sorry, what are we talking about? Last year, for my one-year episode, I cut out 12 of my favorite episodes and my favorite lines from them. I didn't do that this year. Life has been busy. I will say, though, that, of course, my favorite episodes are the ones where I have guests on and I learn more about them. That's been my favorites. It hasn't happened in a while. I think now... 26 episodes ago was my last interview. I'm looking to change that soon, but we'll see. We'll see. So two years of this podcast. Woo! I know I promised a live stream, but life happens. I had to change my plans, and... Eh. The last live stream I had is just kind of, you know, dead. No interactivity. Um... Yeah, I just decided against it. Maybe maybe later we'll do a live stream. That'd be cool. But let's get on to sports. That's enough celebrating two years of this podcast. Recently, I was the public address announcer for the Champion City Kings for a game on July 20th against the Lafayette Aviators. That marks my first prospect league game since 2012-2013 when I had my broadcasting internship with the Richmond River Rats. In fact, they will be brought up a couple times as I go through this spiel. The Kings lost 15-8 to the Lafayette Aviators. That's Lafayette, Indiana. The Aviators scored five runs in the second and another five runs in a separate inning and five more to seal the deal away from the Kings. I want to talk more about my experience there because that was a great Saturday night. I had a lot of fun. I mean, for my first and only day there, I mean, I really felt part of the family. It was really nice. It was really nice to work with everybody. It was really smooth. In Carlton Davidson Stadium, that was my first time ever being there. That's a really nice ballpark. It's a really nice ballpark. It's the home of the Kings. It's also the home of the... Wittenberg Tigers and NCAA Division Three. Beautiful field. It's mostly natural grass. There's a patch of artificial turf with the Champion City Kings logo right behind the batter's box, which is a nice touch. It's a nice field. And really, you when you're there, you just feel like you're in the middle of wilderness. Buck Creek is right there. It was uh it was a day that felt like it was 110 and there was a sign that said no swimming. It was like Springfield, you're not my dad. I'm going to go swimming to cool off. In fact, I think my face was about the same color as my red Dayton Flyers polo that I wore there because I didn't have a Kings gear. And red and blue's the color of the Kings. Used to be navy and gold, but that's another story for another time. There's a video board there at Carlton Davidson Stadium. There's a lot of great seats. It seats a little over a 1,000. And one of the seats has a lot of shade on it. Well, there's two sections with shade, but when the sun sets, most of the shade was going on the third base side of the seats. Really beautiful, really beautiful stadium there. And like I said, I had a lot of fun announcing, and everyone was really, really happy with the job I did, which made me feel like I was on cloud nine. It was really cool. Hopefully I get another chance to do that someday, but... It was a tough game for the Kings. A couple of chances that they had. And by the way, uh, it's Bo Seckham 
I think I said Sakom in episode 105. It's Sekum. The more you know. We'll talk a little bit about the All-Star game, which happened yesterday, by the way. But I want to thank the family of the Kings for allowing me to come in and PA for one game. It was a lot of fun. And that was my first time ever doing a beer batter. Now, beer batter is not the thing you put on fish, you fry it, and you eat it. Yum. This is a batter that we all picked to strike out. And when this beer batter strikes out, it's cheaper beer for the people coming in there. I'm pretty sure you know how beer batters work. That was my first time ever doing that, and it was really, really cool. And and considering that he did strike out once. Although the other times he scored two RBIs, and another one scored on an error, and a fly out and ground out, which you don't get cheaper beer for. It's only strikeouts. But that was really, really cool. And I'll go ahead and say it. It's a player that I've seen with the Toledo Rockets and Zach Schwarzenberger. A good outfielder and definitely going to be leaned on heavy for the 2020 Rockets baseball season, especially since there's a new head coach in town at UT. Corey, me, after 16 years, decided to step away from the Rockets program. So it's someone that I've seen before at Dayton and Wright State. And... <laughs> And I joked a couple of times, he's got to remember this. The next baseball season's like, hey, you're a jerk. You made me beer batter. <laughs> I had a good laugh on that. But yeah, it was really cool. The fans cheered when I mentioned it because the ending line is get loud and get thirsty. He struck out once out of five at-bats. And hey, that was pretty cool. So well done, me, the public address announcer. It was a lot of fun. It was my first time ever being at Carlton Davidson. First time meeting a great group of people. It was a lot of fun. My first summer collegiate game in about six seasons. So yeah, it was a tough loss for the Kings to take. But at the same time, I had myself a blast. And definitely, if you get a chance to see summer collegiate ball, you should do it. And now on to the Prospect League All-Star Game. Remember, this happened in Normal, Illinois, not to be fused with Normal, Ohio, which was a show way back when. The East beats the West 11-2. Great dominating game by the East, and that does include Chilla Coffee and Champion City. In fact, in the box score pulled up here, Bo Seckham got the start for the East and there was a couple other players on there Stephen Cullen went 1 for 2 representing the Kings and Freeland went 0 for 2 also representing the Kings I mentioned 4 of them made it and what did I say 3 paints I might be wrong on that there was a couple Lafayette Aviators which I called you know that Saturday before and I realize there's one name on here that I should recognize. That's Mitchell Garrity of UD. Went one for two in the game. Pitching-wise, the win went to Zach Kendall. I believe he is a Chillicothe paint. I want to say he's also an Ohio State Buckeye, but I'm not quite sure on that. Troy, Ohio. Rio Grande. So I was wrong on the Ohio State thing. I swear I've seen Zach Kendall before, but... Yeah, he's with the Paints, and so far in the year, 3-0, and 
with a 2.38 ERA with Chillicothe. And 1-0 with the East, but that's all-star stats. Pecchioli took the loss for the West, went an inning, gave up three yard runs, four hits, and walked one for the loss. No save since it was nine runs, and Kendall was the only pitcher between the East and the West that went two innings. He gave up, Kendall did, a run on three hits, walked two, struck out three. And he would take the win. The West scored their only runs in the first and the second. East scored one in the first, one in the third, one in the ninth, three in the second, three in the fourth, and two in the fifth. For an 11-run, 16-hit explosion of offense. While the West went two runs, seven hits, an error. East committed two errors. Again, Zach Candle took the win. And Ty Pecchioli, I certainly hope I'm saying that name right, he took the loss. The All-Star game took two hours, 26 minutes. Looking through here to make sure I haven't missed any players that I talked about or any Wright State Dayton or any local kids on here, and I'm not recognizing any of the names. And then I look through here after I do episode 106. It's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) he's on there. Uh, For Champion City, there is... Jared Hatch, he went in an inning, just gave up a hit, and that was it. So, congrats to all the All-Stars. You made your teams proud, and the Prospect League season is winding down. The Great Lakes season, which we'll touch up on in just a minute. Your standings after the All-Star break, Danville leads all, 30-14. and 14. When I was at the Kings, they were telling me that Danville has a team completely made up of Division One players, and most of them are from Power 5 schools, which is quite amazing, considering the fact that, you know, you can draw all that talent to Danville. Not saying anything bad against Danville, Illinois, don't get me wrong, but I mean, when you can draw in that talent to one location, that's pretty nice. Danville's in first place, but a game and a half back are the Chillicothe Paints, Start off the year at 2-11, then 1-11, and they've been on fire since, the Paints have. In second place, that'd be the last playoff spot in the East. Terre Haute, 25-21, six back of first. Lafayette, seven back at 24-22. Champion City, 22-24, nine back of first. And in sixth place in the East, the West Virginia Miners at 17-30. and In the West, it's the Cape Catfish, 32-13. DuPage, 25-17, 5.5 back. Quincy, 7.5 back at 25-21. Hannibal, 16-28, 15.5 back. 16 back are the normal corn belters. And the Springfield, Illinois sliders are 9-35. and And they have lost all 10. And their last 10 have the sliders. If you ever wonder why it's Champion City, well, you can't really have two Springfield teams. Then you have the situation of the Simpsons. Like, which Springfield? Can't be Ohio when you're taking a vacation to Dayton, Ohio. I mean, that's, what, 30-some minutes? I mean, you could, but, nah. And that's your look at the Prospect League as we turn the page to the Great Lakes. Looking at the standings of the North, the Lima Locals. It sounds like I'm saying Locals, but I'm saying Locos. Locos. There we go. That's better. See, I can fix my speech just like that. The Locos... And the Clippers of Muskegon have clinched playoff spots in the North. Lima is 26-15, and Muskegon is 22-19. and 
They will be the two playoff teams in the North. Michigan Monarchs 2020, Grand Lake Mariners 2021, St. Clair Green Giants in fifth place in the North 19 and 20, and the Galleon Graders are 11 and 29. We look at the South, the only division out of the two that have no teams that have clinched a playoff spot as it's a pretty tight race for tops in the South. Licking County currently in first place, 25-17. Cincinnati, not too far behind at 24-18. Southern Ohio, 23-18. They lost at Richmond last night. Hamilton is 22-18. So there you go. That's a pair of three teams in the South with 18 losses. And it's a span of, what would that be, two games back? Hamilton's got 22 wins, one more loss in Licking County, three less wins. That's two, right? It's math. Someone do the math for me. Xenia in fifth place, 18-24. Richmond in sixth place. The Jazz are 15-26. and 26. But they did win their home finale last night, which something cool. I believe it was Marvel Night. Let's pull it up on the old Facebook. If I could ever find out which. There we go. I like seeing the pictures from McBride Stadium. I enjoyed my two years with the River Rats, and I like seeing the Jazz take off. Next year will be year number five for the Richmond Indiana Club, which is shocking to think it's been five years since the River Rats folded and the Jazz took their place. So that will do it for the Great Lakes. Now let's see in terms of scoreboard what's left load the page does a thing and today is oh that's the scoreboard from yesterday why is it showing me scores of games that haven't happened yet oh you know why because that was the final day the playoffs let's look at playoff schedule I mentioned Lima and the Clippers have made it in the North. Playoffs will begin next week, the 29th. The higher seed is the home team. It's a best of three. They'll be home for games one and two. And third game will be an away game for the top seed. Home team shall pay the umpires. Champion series will be a three-man crew. Home team will provide the statistician and a post-game meal. So there you go. Yum. wonder if the Locos get their meals from QP. You know, that it's like that 50s diner hamburger place. If you haven't been, go to Lima and enjoy it. Then go see the Macy's because it has a hat on it. Because it used to be Lazarus and there was a restaurant up there. Now it's not. So there you go. Go visit Lima. Now time for a hastily made Lima tourism video because that's something people like, I guess. I don't know. Has anyone seen the new Cleveland tourism video? It was done for the All-Star game hosted by the Indians, and it was pretty nice. A lot more positive. But where's Moses Cleveland? Doesn't he deserve credit? He's a guy in Invented Cleveland. Yeah! <laughs> I love those videos. <laughs> Second one's great. Go look him up if you haven't. Trust me. You you won't regret it. 
And we're going to step aside as we're done with baseball. And we're going to talk a little bit more baseball. Tomorrow for the Dragons, it's Lodolo time. The first round pick for the Reds this year. He's now in Dayton and scheduled to start tomorrow for the Dragons. And then the Reds roller coaster. Some of it's love, some of it's not. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about soccer in the area. Stay with us. This is the two-year episode of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, this Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. What's going on, guys? Grant Pushgard here, joined by my co-director, Victor Williams. Are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content? Over at Overtime Heroics, you can be a part of a growing sports community such as podcasts like my own, Cleveland Surge, and my own Philly Special Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to Overtime Heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoy the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the PodCoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play and simply use my code CINCYSPORT with two eyes, and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code CINCYSPORT with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. PodCoin. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play, or visit anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday sports podcast. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content, just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast? Visit the slash podcast 
then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise made by Tee Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday Sports gear by Tee Public. For quality carpets, visit Kaplan's Quality Carpet Warehouse. Hey, that was an ad. Or something. Actually, it was a Futurama reference. Anyway, we're back. And I just realized that episode 106 is going to be labeled as season 3 when I upload it to Anchor. Because it will be the start of my third year doing this podcast. Still can't believe I made it through two years. Yay. Anyway, I want to go through some stats on here that are provided by Anchor. Not sure how you know, realistic or how accurate it is. If you think that this podcast is mainly listened to the United States, you'd be right. According to Anchor Stats, it's 76% of my listening population listen from there. 11% are from France, 7% are from Ireland, and 1% each from Spain, Germany, and United Kingdom. Click on United States. If you think Ohio is the state that listens to this podcast most, you'd be wrong. Because it's actually California. And it's because bots have picked up this podcast and listened to it to inflate the numbers. And I hate that because I'd rather have, you know, not bots listen to it. I want people that actually listen to this and say, hey, this is a great podcast. Lee is a great broadcaster. You should hire him. Ohio actually comes in third. California is at 48%. It used to be a lot larger number. For California. Virginia's at 25%. I have to assume that's bots. I don't know why people from Virginia would listen to this, but there you go. Like I said, I'm not saying, oh, people from Virginia won't like this podcast. Everyone will like this podcast. Ohio comes in third at 14%, followed by 3% from Missouri, 2% from North Carolina, 1% each from Oregon and Maryland. Like I said, I don't complain where I get the numbers from. I'm just telling you the numbers. Click on Ohio. 54% of the Ohio listeners listen to this podcast in Miamisburg, one of my favorite cities. And I know things have went downhill, you know, what with the epidemic on drugs and everything, but I always have a soft spot in my heart for Miamisburg. I mean, the mound and my dad taking me to the mound on take your kids to work day. Going up there around 5, 6 in the morning to go to the green machine. Yes, that's ATMs. Yeah, I like Miamisburg. 16% listen in from Dayton, Ohio. 8% from Columbus, which surprises me. But then again, I'm talking crew and destroyers and blue jackets and sometimes clippers. But eh. I don't talk about Ohio State. Because of the fact this is a Cincinnati-Dayton podcast. Sports podcast. I will mention one thing. Someone, I forget who. It's Cincinnati Wrestling Insider. They shared what the new Ohio State Wrestling gym looks like. And it looks pretty darn ridiculously good. I wanted to say ridiculous, but I wasn't sure if everyone would take that as, Oh, well, he's a Buckeye hater. Because you know. If you don't like Ohio State in Ohio, you're obviously a Buckeye hater. Or you could be like me and say, that's rubbish, I'll root for whoever I want, and I'll talk about whoever I want on this podcast. But no, the uh, wrestling gym looks pretty pretty amazing. That'd be cool to PA. College wrestling. 
Unfortunately, it's not as big as it once was. I mean, University of Dayton and Wright State had programs, but uh, I think Ohio State's the only one in Ohio that's D1 that has wrestling. Actually, I think Cleveland State still does. They have fencing at Cleveland State. Did you know that? And Green Bay has Nordic skiing. Did you know that? I only mentioned it like a hundred times. Get Wright State to get into Nordic skiing. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so 54% from Miamisburg, 16% from Dayton, 8% from Columbus, Fairborn's at 3%, Cincinnati at 2%. Used to be a larger number for Cincinnati. Salinas at 2%, Lewisburg's at 1%, Inglewood's at 1%. And under the 1% would be West Alexandria. Used to be as high as 5%, I think. It means my parents don't even listen to my podcast anymore. I just go through here. There's a lot of local towns. But, like I said, I appreciate you, whoever you are, for taking the time out of your day. Give me an hour or so, and you hear me talk about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Anyway, before the ad break, I mentioned it's Lodolo time tomorrow in Dayton. Well, this was brought up to my attention on July 22nd, and this is from my good friend Doug Gray at RedsMinorLeagues.com. If you like the Reds, this is the site to find out how the future Reds are doing. So, Nick Lodolo, the left-hander from Texas Christian U, he got promoted to Dayton, 7th overall pick this year, first pitcher to be taken, and his first six career Games are in rookie ball with the Billings Mustangs. Over his six starts, Lodolo only threw 11 and a third innings. That's to save the arm. And I don't know how much he's going to get to throw in Dayton. If it's going to be capped like that or go nuts, throw until you get 80 pitches or so. The 21-year-old lefty only made it into the third inning of two games. And no, it's not because his ERA is like a billion point two. Actually, I don't know if you can get a billion point two. I think at that point, it'd just be like, infinitive ERA! And that happens to pitchers if they don't get outs. The stats machine for Datronics calculates it as such. It's kind of neat. ERA at Billings, 2.38. In 11 and a third. It's not bad. Six starts. So, a little under two per start. Didn't walk a single batter in his time with Billings. That's impressive. Struck out 21 batters out of 46 he faced. His ERA is low. That's pretty good in the Pioneer League. The Pioneer League, you'll see batting averages, you know, average uh, about 350s or so. And the Dayton Dragons broadcaster, Tom Nichols, when he's talking about rookie ball, says, when you make the jump from Billings to Dayton... Take about 30 points off that batting average. That's what you're supposed to hit with the Dragons. Or single eight ball. So, that's pretty dominant for a league that's known for smacking the ball silly all around the place. Now, the workload, like I mentioned, the Reds want to keep his arm healthy. They don't want another situation where, well, our first round pick now has to get Tommy John. Or... As this year being the case, we lose our first round picks from years past, Nick Howard and Travieso, and that's the end of that. 
It's a shame too, because I think both of them are shoulder injuries. Which Tommy John, they've they've got to where you can come back and you can still pitch. Your game might be different. Well, your game will be different, but you can come back with shoulder. Eh, not so much. So on this article, like I said, RedsMinorLeagues.com, Doug Gray. He's scheduled Nick Lodolo is to make his debut in Dayton on Thursday night as the starter. Again, are the Reds going to cap his workload in his first start in Dayton? I don't know, but my gut's telling me probably because of the fact that they did that in Billings. Protect the arm. He's coming off a college season at TCU where he was stunning. Don't want to wreck that arm in Dayton or, you know, anywhere. Not just Dayton, but, you know. So, yeah. Lodolo time. That's happening soon in Dayton, Ohio, USA. So definitely, if you're interested in seeing the left-hander pitch against the Great Lakes Loons, which is the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers, I definitely recommend getting a ticket for that game. And I have a gut feeling Thursday will be a pretty nicely packed house at Fifth Third Field. But that's just me spitballing. And speaking of your Dayton Dragons... How are they doing before Nicolo Dolo joins the squad? Well, they're coming off a 3-3 three and three Western Division road trip. You only get two Western Division road trips because, you know, your closest team in the West. Would that be King County? Yeah, it'd be King County, which is uh, Geneva, Illinois. Hey, I remembered where it is. The Dragons took the series against the Houston Astros single affiliate, the Quad Cities River Bandits. They're already in the playoffs. They won the first half quite handily, too, considering that most of the season and the first half, they didn't have a home because it was flooded. So they had temporary homes. The Dragons lost the series to Kane County. They did win the first game, but the last game they lost 9-3. to in fact, former UIC Flame pitcher Ryan Campbell suffered his first loss, and his ERA has ballooned to now 5-11 from the mid-twos. Jose Curis got the win for the Cougars. I like Kane County. I mean, they have these nice lemon-lime jerseys. If you can picture, kind of like neon yellow hooked up with neon green, and there you go. Like I said, Lemon Lime's probably the best way to describe those jerseys. But also the C kind of reminds me of the Contra C, if you know what that logo looks like. By the way, Kane County is the single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Was the Cubs for a couple years, and I thought, hey, that's nice. It's kind of like, you know, Cincinnati-Dayton. It's Geneva-Chicago, since Geneva's, what, 30 minutes west. Or that way, if you can see me pointing my finger towards west. But you can't, because I live in a different house. On the post-game write-up by Tom Nichols, it mentions that Lodolo will join the roster, start the game on Thursday against Great Lakes. So pretty much as long as Lodolo's arms don't pop off or anything else happens to him between now and tomorrow, you get to see the left-hander pitch against Great Lakes. The Dragons are coming off an off day. It's the travel back from the West Day, or some teams travel back from the East Day depending on who you root for. Dayton is 14-16, and 16, and they are in the hunt for a playoff spot. 42-58 overall. Let's look at the standings of the Midwest League. Again, if you made a playoff spot in the first half, you don't get to make two. That'd be interesting, though. Split squad team. 
Nah. So right now, Bowling Green leads all in the Eastern Division of the Midwest League at 19-11. They're single A of the Tampa Bay Rays. Lake County, they have a spot in that first half. They're 17-13. and They're two back at first, but they don't get a playoff spot. Great Lakes also got a playoff spot in the first half. So the Loons, you know, they don't count. But they're 16-14 and in this half. And then Lansing would be the wild card winner if the season were to end today. Lansing is 15 and 15 in the single A of the Toronto Blue Jays. There's Cincinnati's Dayton Dragons at 14 and 16, tied with the South Bend Cubs. They're the single A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. West Michigan 12 and 18 of the Detroit Tigers, and San Diego Padres Fort Wayne Tin Caps 11 and 19, eight back of first place Bowling Green. Now you might know Bowling Green had Wander Franco. And Franco is still hitting the lights out of the ball. And now, what is it, Charlotte? The Stone Crabs? Is that advanced day for Tampa Bay? Sounds right. So, still playing at time. There's 70 games and a half. 140 total in minors. And the Dragons, 30 games in. They're only a game back of a wildcard spot. Meaning, the series for Great Lakes is utmost important. In fact, all of them are important because August, when that turns, you finish all but five games on six games on the road. Yeah, August is very road heavy for the Dragons. So if you're going to do a playoff spot, you better win at home and then make some ground up on the road. In this half, Dayton is eight and seven at fifth third field and six and nine away. In the division, they're seven and eleven and for the rest of this season, it's East versus East, West versus West. Incidentally, if you're wondering how the Western Division is doing, well, I can tell you that Quad Cities and Cedar Rapids, they have playoff spots, so but they're in the middle of the pack. The Western Division race, very interesting. You have the Miami Marlins affiliate and the Clinton Lumber Kings, formerly of Seattle. The Lumber Kings are 21-9 in this half. They really caught fire. And definitely the bat of Peyton Burdick is helping that, you know, former Wright State Raider. In second place, a game back, Kane County and the Cougars. They're 20 and 10, and they'd have the wild card spot the season were to end today. Three back of first, two of the wild card spot, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They took the series at Dayton, two out of three, and they're 18 and 12 are the Rattlers, also known as the Utter Tuggers. Although that's not my favorite name they've donned this year. I think my favorite one's the Wisconsin Brats, where they dress up in all German gear. It's, it's quite neat. If you haven't seen that jersey, go find it. The first half winners, Quad Cities, they're 17 and 12 in this half. Cedar Rapids, the wild card spot winner in the first, they're 17 13. Burlington is 13 17. Beloit, 9 and 20. They were swept. At Dayton, by the way, Quad Cities, Houston, Cedar Rapids, Minnesota, Burlington Bees, Los Angeles, Angels of Los Angeles, Beloit, the Oakland Athletics, single-A affiliate, and Peoria, 6-24, there's a St. Louis Cardinals affiliate. It is a rough second half, to say the least, for the Chiefs, who swapped the Daytons, the Daytons, <laughs> I'm just going to call every team the Daytons, that'd be cool, they swapped the Dragons, keeping that in, they swept the Dragons at home earlier in the first half. And that's your standings. And season end today, you would have Bowling Green, Lake County, Great Lakes, and Lansing in the east going against 
Clinton, Kane County, Quad Cities, and Cedar Rapids. And that's what the playoffs will look like. But we still have 40 games, so lots of things could happen. I think if the Dragons keep pitching well, and they keep hitting well, they still have a shot to get the wild card spot. Right now, I think Bowling Green, although they did lose, they did get swept at home to Beloit. Like I mentioned, the Snappers are 9-20. and I, I still think Bowling Green is going to win the second half. Which I think is the better seed to get. Let's look at the playoff procedures. If you win in the second half, don't you get two home games in the first round? Second half qualifiers, teams finishing in first place. Western, Eastern, second half champion. It would be the Eastern, second half champion. Team declares what home games they will host no later than 24 hours. So yeah, I think if you win the half, you get home games first. I believe that's how that works. And then the best of five, East versus West. Who wants it? There you go. You win the Midwest League. That's how that works. So Dayton Dragons, like I mentioned, it's a lot like the Cincinnati Reds. Except I think the Reds have been more exciting. Because Dragons were very cold for a while in the last place for... About two months. And I know. Reds have been in last place for most of the season. But. They've been in it. Whereas the Dragons. Last place. They weren't. So I still think the Reds chase. Is more exciting. And speaking of those battling red legs. How about that. Two games in Milwaukee. You give up a grand slam late. And then Suarez hits his second home run. To win it for the Reds. And then that last game where the Reds just go haywire with offense. Milwaukee does come back a little bit, but the Reds hold on to the lead. Can't say that for the first two games against the St. Louis Cardinals at home. Which uh, the Reds probably should have done, let's be honest. Yeah, that four-game series with St. Louis, very frustrating. You give up, what was it, a seven-run lead and give up ten runs in the sixth? It just turned my stomach, and I, I tweeted that blinking guy. I forget where that blinking guy is from, but yeah, it's not great. This afternoon, the Reds look for the sweep. The Brewers are 53-50, and 50, the Reds 46-53, and they'll turn to former Atlanta Brave and Lucas Sims. One win, no loss, 3.72 ERA going against Justin of the Brew Crew, 3-10, 5.67 ERA. Which means one or two things can happen. This is probably the most likely. Jasheen throws like a one-hitter through seven. Or the Reds compile offense on offense on offense. It'd be nice if the Reds could get a sweep in Milwaukee, but we'll see how it goes. Let's look at the standings in the majors. If it ever loads... We can tell you at this point, the Cubs are first in the Central at 54-47 but only by half a game as St. Louis is now 53-47, and 47, chasing Chicago. And the Cardinals have really lit it up. Like I mentioned, a big series win in Cincinnati. And now 8-2 and two in their last 10, and winners are three in a row. With St. Louis's win at Pittsburgh, that puts the Pirates in last place, but I'm jumping around a bit. The Brewers are in third place, 53-50. and 50. Reds in fourth place by half a game over Pittsburgh. Seven back of the Cubs. And six and a half back of St. Louis. The Reds are 46-53. And the Pirates, 46-54. 
And they have gone ice cold. I think 2-11 since the All-Star break. 2-8 in the last 10. And the Pirates have dropped three in a row. Look at the East. Atlanta still on top, 60-42. Five and a half up on second place Washington. And six and a half up on Bryce Harper's $300 million contract. It still bugs me. He's not worth that much. I'm sorry. I'm at the Philadelphia Phillies. Philly is 53-48. and 48, But half game back of the wild card. Washington is a half game up in the wild card standings. Whereas St. Louis, I believe they have the second wild card. If I'm reading the standings right. New York Mets, 46-54 ahead of the Miami Marlins, 37-62. Miami is 21 and a half back of first place Atlanta. That's a lot of games. And 15 and a half back of a wild card, in case you're curious. Reds are six and a half back of a wild card. Pirates are seven back. Milwaukee is one and a half back. In the West, it's the LA Dodgers stomping everyone to the ground at 67-36, but hold the phone. Winning nine of the last ten, the San Francisco Giants. Thought to be dead in the West, now they have jumped to second place. I'm quite impressed. 52-50 and 50 is San Fran. 14.5 back of the Dodgers, but two back of a wildcard spot. Like I mentioned, winners of three in a row and nine of the last ten. Arizona's in third place at 500-51-51. Colorado 47-53 in fourth place, 18.5 back. And tied with San Diego and the Padres. Six back of a wildcard spot, but 18.5 back of the Dodgers. Which, by the way, the Dodgers have just mentioned dropping 110 mil on renovations. And it's soon to be not known as Dodger Stadium. So get ready for another advertising name here, Stadium. Breaks my heart, but it's the sign of the times. In case you're wondering about the American League, well... It's interesting in the Central. Minnesota's lead is now down to three games. The Twins are 61-39. The Cleveland Indians are 58-42 and one up in the wildcard race. So meaning if the season were in today, Cleveland gets in with the wildcard spot. Third place in the Central is the Chicago White Sox, 43-53. Excuse me, 45-53. Not sure where 43 came in. I was off by two. I'm sorry, Sox fans. However, Chicago is 3-7 and seven in the last 10, and 11 back of a wild card spot, 15 back of first place Minnesota. Kansas City, 38-64. Detroit, 30-66. So the Royals are now out of the basement. Royals have won seven of their last 10. 20 back of a wild card spot is Kansas City, 24 back of first place. Detroit is now 29 back of first and 25 games away from a wild card spot. In the East, it's still the Yanks on top. Still very impressed on how the Yankees have handled that rough IL stretch, and they've lost Gary Sanchez to the IL again with a left groin strain. But New York, 65 and 35, 10 up on both Boston and Tampa Bay. Red Sox are 56-46, Tampa Bay 57-47, both 10 away from New York, both 2 away from a wild card spot. Toronto in 4th place, 39-64, and Baltimore 32-68, 33 back of 1st, 25 away from the wild card. And in the West is the Houston Astros leading by 6.5 games over Oakland, the Astros are 65-38, and the Athletics are 58-44. Angels in third place, 53-49, 11 and a half back of first, five out of a wild card spot. Recently, the Angels let go of Matt Harvey. Tough year for the former Dark Knight. 
And that's a shame, too. I mean, there were some fans that wanted the Reds to re-sign him, and I think I was in that boat, but hindsight's twenty twenty. So who knows if Matt Harvey would have done well with the Reds, or he would have stunk it up. Who knows? It's a shame, though. Texas in fourth place. Rangers 51-50, 13 back of first, six and a half out of the card. And in last place, the Seattle Mariners. 41-63, 24 and a half out, and 18 out of the wild card. Let's see. The wild card looks like this in the NL. It will be Washington-St. Louis. I mentioned the Reds are six and a half out. Lots of teams to leap over, like San Diego, Colorado. The Reds are a half game back. Three and a half away from Arizona. Four and a half away from San Fran. Five away from Milwaukee. And six away from Philadelphia. In the AL... It'd be Cleveland or Oakland if the season were in today, followed by Boston, Tampa Bay, the Angels, the Rangers, the Sox of Chicago, Seattle, Toronto, Kansas City, Baltimore, Detroit. In the NL, it's Philadelphia, Milwaukee, San Fran, Arizona, Colorado, San Diego, Cincinnati, New York, Pittsburgh, and Miami, chasing Washington and St. Louis. Your division winners will be the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Braves, and Houston, the Yankees, and the Twins. That is some baseball season. It's still, I'm still struggling with the fact that this is Marty Brenneman's last year. There's been some Reds games where he's not on. I just, radio goes off. Doesn't help that the FM doesn't work in my car anymore, which, um, yeah, that's going to have to change, but there you go. So, are the Reds in it? Are the Reds buyers? Are the Reds sellers? I wish I can tell you at this point. I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, I thought that series against St. Louis would be kind of like, well, time to sell off some pieces. But then you win first two out of three at Milwaukee and just, I don't know. I like to think the Reds are buyers. I like to think the Reds will keep on trucking on. But like I mentioned, the wild card, you're going to have to have a very long jump to pass most of those teams. And a very good a very good finish this season. I don't know. And now we step away from the diamond to the pitch. It's time to talk about football. Well, actually soccer, but there you go. We'll start with the MOS first. And the two teams of Ohio, well, they're still in the basement. I wish there was brighter news, but there's not. FC Cincinnati recently lost in the hands of the New York Revolution, who have jumped into a playoff spot. Well, that's some news right there. The Revolution are now in the last place for a playoff spot. That'd be seven. So you have 14 teams making it into the playoffs. The Philadelphia Union still having a great year at 11-6-6. and Land United in second place, 11, 8, and 3. DC United in third place now, 9, 6, and 8. New York Red Bulls, 10, 8, 4. New York City FC, 8, 3, and 8. Montreal, 9, 11, and 3. New England, 8, 8, and 6. And then underneath the playoff line, Toronto FC, 8, 9, and 5. Orlando City, 7, 10, and 5. Chicago, 5, 10, 8. Columbus Crew, 6-14-3. They are coming off a win against the Montreal Impact at home. And FC Cincinnati coming off that loss to the Revolution, 5-15-2. Yeah, definitely not what I was expecting from this year's MLS standings. 
I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, FC Cincinnati, their first year in MOS, you can't expect the... You can't expect the cup and everything. Well, you can, but I don't know how realistic that is. It's been a tough year for FC Cincinnati. Columbus, I mean, you're dealing with first-year head coach Caleb Porter. He knows the area well. He was head coach of the Akron Zips, and he won a national championship with Akron. At least I believe he did. And then Porter had some success with Portland. Give him, give him time. It's his first year. I will say, though... At home, Columbus is 5-6-2, and two, but 1-8-1 and one away. Ugh. And that's not the worst road mark. Chicago has yet to win a game on the road, and the season goes until about October. Even FC Cincinnati's got a couple of road wins, 2-9-1 compared to Chicago's 0-8-3. And yes, you can say, well, draws equal a point, and, you know, yeah, yeah, sure, but still. Winless on the road. That's tough. In the Western Conference, it's Los Angeles Football Club, 14-3-4. LA Galaxy, 12-8-1. Seattle, 10-6-5. Minnesota United, that is 10-7-4. have to make sure I'm not reading the games played. Like, how is this team in fifth place with 21 wins and the top team only had 14? Because shut up. I can't read well. Minnesota United, 10-7-4. Along with San Jose, FC Dallas, 9-8-5. Real Salt Lake 993 along with Houston. Real Salt Lake in the playoff bubble. Houston will be out of it. Portland 8-8-4. They're doing much better as of late. They rose a little bit, but still looking in. Sporting Kansas City 6-8-7. Colorado 5-11-5. And Vancouver 4-11-8. Actually going through. Los Angeles Football Club has a goal differential of plus 35, meaning you score 35 more goals than allowed. FC Cincinnati, negative 30, and that is the worst. The best is at 35. Columbus is at negative 13. The worst in the West is now negative 18. Colorado had that distinction of the worst goal differential, but they've chopped it down to a negative 10, which, I mean, negatives aren't great, let's be real. Also, I want to say that Montreal, remember, in the East, 6th place, they would be in the playoffs, negative 11. That's the worst mark of a team that would make the playoffs if the season were to end today. New England's at negative 8. That's the only two teams that are in the playoff race that have negative goal differentials. Again, they've let more goals in if you're in the negative. Meaning Montreal has scored 11 less. They've scored 27, allowed 38. Orlando City, they're dead even. 29-29. Soccer's a funny thing. And next month, hell is real series. First in Columbus, then in FC Cincinnati. Get your tickets, because that's going to be a great series. And then they draw, and then everyone's like, Oh my god, soccer. Well... Speaking of more soccer, I mentioned that it's over in terms of the season for the local teams. But I do have an update. And the Women's Premier Soccer League, born in 1997 and kicking on through 22 years. The team that was representing the Cincinnati Dayton squads, the Motor City FC, they lost in the semifinals to the Utah Royals Reserves. And that Utah Royals Reserves fell to 
Pensacola FC 4-3 in OT. So congrats go out to Pensacola FC. They played that in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And yes, in 102-degree heat. Yeah, that heat sucks, and it's supposed to come back Saturday. I'm not looking forward to that. Now we look at the USL League 2 playoffs. I was going to say standings, but nothing's really changed. Chicago FC United and Flint City are the teams that have made it in. Cincinnati and Dayton were eliminated with the last day of the season. And Chicago FC United, which ran away with the division, they were upset in the first game. They were upset after extra time to call Valley FC, which was the number two team in the Heartland, by a score of 3-2 after extra time. So, nice win for Call Valley. On the other side, Flint City, the number two seed in the Great Lakes behind Chicago, they knocked off Des Moines and the Menace, the conference host, with penalty kicks 4-2 after tying 3-3, sending it to the extra kicks. And then Flint City took down Call Valley. By the way, Call Valley is Kansas City. Call Valley FC, Flint City won 4-2, and that sets up the battle between FC Golden State Force and the Flint City Bucks and Flint City will be the host in that on the other side is Tormenta FC 2 versus Reading United AC this is for the East and then whoever wins that will take on the national championship according to this Tormenta FC number one seed in the Deep South and I think they're the only seed there's a couple of Team, there's a couple of divisions where you only get one playoff spot. Others get two. Not sure why that is, but there you go. And I see SC United Bantams, formerly in the Mid-Atlantic South with Cincinnati. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Wow. Tormenta FC2's path looked like this. They took down the number one seed in Southeast, the Villages SC. That's in Florida, 3-1. to one, And then took down the number one Mid-South team, Brazos Valley Calvary FC 5 to 1 before setting up with the Reading United AC Club who won an extra or I shouldn't say extra kicks penalty kicks 4 to 3 against GPS Portland Phoenix and then took down the Western Massachusetts Pioneers or the Western Mass Pioneers 1-0 Western Mass Pioneers knocked off the number 1 South Atlantic team and the North Carolina Fusion U23 squad some teams have U23, but it's all supposed to be U23. So there you go. So yeah, that is three more matches to determine who wins the national championship. Flint City, remember, they're the Michigan Bucks, the former Michigan Bucks, the former mid-Michigan Bucks, if you want to talk about that days back in the 90s. The Bucks have won the most national championships in the USL League 2 with three. That's coming off a couple seasons ago for the Bucks. so... It'd be nice. It'd be nice to see a Cincinnati or Dayton team win the national championship. That's always been my thought. But hey, chase history. Get that fourth one. But again, Flint City's got FC Golden State Force, which by the way, their path, they're the conference host in the first the conference semifinals and the finals. They beat the Colorado Pride Switchbacks U23 squad 4-0. And then took down the Ventura County Fusion 2-1. And that sets up the battle with Flint City. We'll have updates for you next week as time allows. The conference championships will be held 
very, very shortly. And that will do it. That's episode 106, the two-year anniversary. Start of season three, if you like that, which I never say seasons. It's a weekly podcast. I mean, there's no seasons. I'm not releasing these on DVD. Then if you look at the coffee cup, it was over there. But now in this podcast, it's over there. No, we're not doing that. I do want to bring up a couple more nice things about this podcast. I mean, two years of doing this, and I've tried to keep it up weekly. It's uh, It's been nice. Like I mentioned, I appreciate all the listeners I get. I appreciate all the questions I get from Alan's mailbag, which, by the way, start sending them for 107, please. I appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you for giving me the time of day for me to tell you about local sports. It's hard to believe next Wednesday, Thursday. I think it's next Thursday. Hard to believe that August is just a week away. Then we talk about college sports, college football in the area, college soccer, college volleyball. That's college basketball. It's the circle of life. Also, I think Sunday is the start of football, so we won't have a footballless Sunday until after Super Bowl. Well, then again, it depends what the XFL does, which I'll, I'll pay attention to. It'll be interesting to see. So, there we go. By the way, the Destroyer season has ended. They lost the last game very, very close, but they scored over 50 points, did the Destroyers. So, that meant everyone in Central Ohio got what was it, 50% off Papa John's pizza? Which is pretty... That's pretty cool. Let's be real. 50% off pizza just because you follow the Destroyers. And like I mentioned, last few episodes, I hope they come back. Rough year, sure, but they're back. Let's celebrate that. And hope next year, taking the AFL Championship. Episode 106 in the books. Two-year anniversary. Who day... Here's to a successful third year, and here's to more great Sunday moments here on this podcast. This is Lee W. Mallon. We'll talk to you again for episode 107. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via royalty-free music, no copyright music group. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, CastBox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown and at the Lee W. Mowen, and on Facebook by liking the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page, and become a member of the Facebook group, Fans of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye, and please join us again for another new episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.